This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Jeff Bezos is my daddy, and the best way to support my daddy is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash oncomedywriting. Right? Click the supporter artist button, shop on Amazon like Nerlywood, and I get a little kickback. Please feed the daddy. This week's episode of On Comedy Writing is brought to you by Malia Obama. On Comedy Writing. On Comedy Writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing, the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson. We've got a great episode. Our guest this week is Moss Pericone. NYU boy like me now is a writer on the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. We got a little lose on this episode, I think, especially in the first half. I think I did call out Mark Maron, um, but uh, I think it's a fun one. I think you'll like it. So here is Moss Pericone. Moss, thanks for coming on the show. Oh my God, thank you for having me. Sorry, I just took a. It's the worst <laughs> time to take a big sip of water. <laughs> uh, where, are you, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, Orange County in Southern California, just oh, a little bit yeah. south of LA. Yeah, Mission Viejo. That's exactly where I'm from. Oh, really? Did you know that? Or no, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's just your reference for yeah. Orange. County. That's so funny. Yeah, that's my mom uh, lives in Mission Viejo. Yeah, it's Did wonderful. You, is it is it similar to the OC at all? Uh, the show. Yeah. I no, think the, it. The, oh, the it is very. I guess there's, there's is within, also a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it can be. You know, there are parts, but there are parts that are just classic suburbia, and yeah. then there's you know great beaches. It's it's lovely. It's mm-hmm. a great place. That oh. uh, the pilot for that show is so funny. Do you have you for you, the OC? Yeah. Have you seen it recently? No, I haven't. There's like uh, there's I, I think at the very end, I see the pilot's so funny. There's one moment's very funny. Yeah. At the very <laughs> end, this guy who hasn't been in the show, he's just a random guy. Uh huh. Uh, just pushes the main character and says, welcome to the OC, bitch, and then never returns again. <laughs> just, just pushes them down onto the street? Yeah, I think there's like some something that just happened, like something bad that just happened to him. That's and he, like, so funny. pushes him, and he's like, welcome to the OC, bitch. <laughs> Is that the last... Yeah, oh, that's, that's the very end of the I, pilot. I, I'm pretty sure it's like cut to black. They cut to black, dude. That's fucking cool. I've got a pretty I've badass way to yeah. do a show, especially <laughs> what 2004. Yeah, that's what there's a lot of time. rules. A lot of rules back yeah, then. Yeah, you couldn't be pushing people. <laughs> you can't have a random guy. Oh my god. Mm. Uh, but the but the it's it's cool growing up in Orange County. Yeah, I think it can be. I think there are, you know good things and bad things. Um, but I think generally it was it was very nice. Um, my dad actually lived in this like I mean I say he lived on the beach and it sounds very nice, but it was like a very it was like a retirement beach. Like it was all very like oh, old see. and run down, but it was it was a lovely place to grow up. Mm-hmm. It was very like. It was just all like retirees and then like psychic shops and like weed shops. And it was just very like, <laughs> it was between two very nice Southern California beaches. And there was just this one beach that was like kind of run down. And it was just, it was wonderful. Is it easy to get uh, weed if you're like a, a underage, under 18? Oh, I mean, I feel like it's easy anywhere, but it is. So I'm sorry, I meant, I meant like in a weed shop. I didn't, oh, okay. I, I didn't yeah. mean it like, do you, are you, is, is, can I sell weed? you weed? Yeah. <laughs> Um. Uh, well, when I was growing up, there weren't really. Oh, there, yeah. It was still like medicinal. Um, and yeah, so I didn't really fuck with that too much. I was also never a huge weed smoker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I was, uh, I would have had my pick. Yeah. Hell um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh. interesting growing up in Southern California. At least to me, because I lived in LA for a year. Oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. interesting to think about. I just think of Southern California as Los Angeles. Yeah. And so it's weird. Like, Orange County is so close to kind of far, too. Completely, yeah. And it's, like, it's funny because I, 
I fully think of Southern California as Orange County, and I, I forget about Los Angeles all the time. Like, gr- I grew oh, up really? there. I lived there 18 years. I n- hardly ever went up to L.A. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I've been there more times since moving to New York than when I grew up there. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, and I don't like it. Yeah? I do not like it at all. Oh, really? I, what, do you, what do you not like about it? It just bums me out. Everything's so spread out. It's hard to, like, I don't know. Someone who was telling me this, I think. Oh, do you know Ismael Lutfi? Huh? Uh, is, do you know Ismael Lutfi, uh, no. super funny comic. Um, I think he said that like it's very easy in New York to feel like you've done something. Like you can go outside, you can go to like a park, and you feel like you've done something. And in California, it's hard to have that feeling. Like That's it's true. when you're driving places, it's just like you, you get home and you're like, I haven't done anything today. Whereas here, it's like I walked outside, I've done so much. Right. Um, and That's I, more yeah. about how oppressive it is to live here. That every, yeah. every, every moment you have to be doing something. You need the oppression. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, just a little tangent. I, I do not, do not enjoy it there. <laughs> when did you, uh, first get interested in comedy? Um, when, when I was a little kid, my dad was like a big, uh, huge comedy fan. And he was like the kind of dad who would like talk to the managers of the Irvine Improv to like, when I was 12 years old, to like get me into see like Patton Oswalt or whatever. Oh, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, he had... Mostly really good taste in comedy. He also like loved Adam Carolla, and so I got into that very young. I was a huge Adam Carolla fan. That was like the uh, Loveline stuff, right? Yeah, I think I, my time my time with Adam was I think after Loveline. My time, with my Adam. time yeah. <laughs> um, it was when he had his podcast, right? Um, like Which he still does. Is it still going? I'm, I'm I don't know. I think so. Oh my god, I need to get back into it. I was I read his books. I got them signed. I was <laughs> such a huge fan. Did you get uh, what is it, Mangria? Of course I got Mangria. <laughs> I would actually go, because my family, um, I come from a family of like farmers and people who make juice, and Adam actually used, I think, I might be wrong about this, I think he might have used his, our juice and his Mangria, or we just catered one of his Mangria parties, I can't remember, but I do remember going, I used to go to his Mangria parties, um, my dad would bring me, and they were just in his backyard, um, and I, it seemed like the coolest thing. Now looking back, it's like you really buried the lead there that you went to his parties. You're like, I'm a fan of Adam Carolla. You actually did have my thing. time with Adam. I had my time with Adam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to think Mangria was the coolest thing. Um, <laughs> and my dad even recently was like, "You want me to send you some Mangria?" And I was like, "I don't know if I should have that now. It seems <laughs> like it's time has passed." Uh, uh, Rogan really stole Carolla's thunder. Completely, because yeah. Carolla was the original Rogan. That's like, that's a really good point. I never connected that, and it's <laughs> yeah, actually scary. It's terrifying because if Joe Rogan came around at the right time, I would have been such a huge Joe Rogan oh, fan. Oh yeah, fourteen, fifteen, like that. I, it would have changed me forever. Yeah, because that's definitely worse than Carolla. So much worse. Yeah. Oh yeah, Carolla had some dark undertones, but uh, Rogan is just fucking. He just comes out with it. Is it is it true? So I I watch a lot of like random shit on YouTube, mm. and for some reason, my all my um, recommendations are Rogan clips. That I, I've, oh. I've seen like I've seen like one or two Rogan clips, just like like Elon Musk smoking the weed and of like other stuff. But I don't get why it's like every day there's a Rogan clip in my recommended. That's feed. crazy. Yeah, I wonder what you're watching. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we should go through it. We should get into that. <laughs> I, I did watch. Uh, this, is, this is getting me. I should be talking about some of this stuff. But I did watch an Owen Benjamin documentary. Oh, because you know you know Owen Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the if you don't know, he's like a, a Republican. Um, comedian, I guess. Yeah, he's just like, very angry all the time. Very funny. Um, highly recommend. And I watched a documentary uh, that I heard about. 
through like watching a different weird do- documentary made yeah. by the people on the Opie and Anthony subreddit. Oh, what the fuck? A real a real rabbit hole. Like, you I don't, were deep. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I've never listened to Opie and Anthony clip. Yeah. I don't really go on Reddit that much, mm-hmm. but uh, I found an Opie and Anthony. That's so funny. User who made these documentaries <laughs> did them about uh, other people too. I can't remember. Oh, Jim Jeffries. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His name is Porcelain. Porcelain. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's everyone check out Porcelain on Reddit. I hope this uh, doesn't lead to a documentary about me. Oh my god, <laughs> Alex, you're gonna get canceled. <laughs> uh, so you're uh, into like uh, Patton Oswalt? It's huge into Patton Oswalt. Yeah. yeah, those first like yeah, like feeling kind of Patton and like werewolves and lollipops. Um, it's called feeling kind of Patton. Yeah, that was a, it's a really oh, good no. one. I think that's the one. He had this bit about getting about getting steak. Have you heard that bit? It's like a, oh, like steakums? Is that someone else? No, it wasn't steakums. It was like what was it? I think it was about eating at Black Angus, and like there, he he just does like a a whole riff on on getting steak at Black. Angus. I'm explaining it so badly, but if you could, you should totally watch it. It's so funny. I I used to memorize that, and uh, me and my dad would like do it back and forth. It's like super dorky, oh, but we fucking awesome. love that shit. Um, but yeah, Patton, I was I was big into um, I was huge into Sebastian. Um, just coming from like an Italian family, like that was. Oh, special! What's uh, uh Maniscalco? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who was blown up? Like he's huge now. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he just like sold out the garden like four nights. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I had a friend who went to that show. I think everyone had one friend who went. It's <laughs> so it's crazy. He's just he's massive. Um, and then I from there kind of got into Mark Maron and like devoured that podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Maron. Yeah, <laughs> Maron. Mark Maron. <laughs> um, but that yeah, Maron was big for me in high school. The the WTF podcast mm-hmm. every every. Uh, Monday and Thursday, I was was big into the new episodes. It's weird. I guess I, more things I probably shouldn't be saying, but it's weird how he does like very few comedians now. And it's yeah, like Heather Graham. Yeah, or like somebody who played guitar on a Tom Petty album. It's like <laughs> I don't want to fucking hear. I mean, I don't. I love it, but uh, I'm. I oh, mean, I really should be okay. I'm a big. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big <laughs> oh, Stephen no. Malcolmus fan. You know the Pavement. Oh, guy? of course. Yeah, I love Pavement. So I listened mm-hmm. to that WTF, and it was a good interview. Yeah. And at the end, Marion was like, uh, so you want to play a couple songs on the guitar? Oh, my God. And Nux was like, nah. <laughs> nah, I don't. And he was like, you're sure? Like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. He's like, okay, we'll end the show then. That's so funny. <laughs> it's so awkward. I think he does that to every musical guest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had some great ones. It's weird that he does that. It is strange. Um, man, you should do that on this podcast. You <laughs> yeah. should end this podcast with just a little noodling. Um, <laughs> I just bought a guitar. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, what kind did you get? A Stratocaster? Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you have you played before? Or is no, you just, it's, oh. it's new. Oh my god, the start of a beautiful journey. I know, that's my first lesson's May 10th. Nice! Yeah. That'll be great, man. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good thing to have, to have an instrument. It's yeah. really, yeah. <laughs> well, we can play right after. We have to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, were, uh, you, were you doing any comedy stuff, like, growing up? Um, n- Not really. I always wrote, and I, I went to an arts high school, um... And I was in the film program there, but I mostly I mostly just wrote. And then, and I always I always wanted to do stand up. And then when I moved to New York for college, I started like first week of freshman year. Um, and yeah, just started doing open mics as soon as I got out here. Um, and that was I think the start of doing it like more, uh, like actually doing it as opposed to kind of just I thought about it so much right. in high school. Um, but yeah, yeah, the first week moving out here, did the first open mic and. Uh, I think it was a laughing Buddha mic. Oh, yeah, um, of course. Everyone's first mic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of went from there. Just kept doing it. Um, do you do stand-up at all? You, I know. You know. I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about playing guitar. thinking about doing stand-up. Oh, my God. I don't know. 
you know. have to do it. You got to do it. I don't know. I yeah. I I, I don't even watch that much stand up anymore though. Mm-hmm. So it feels like completely alien. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I don't know. I go to mm. I go to live shows a lot, but I don't watch like anything at home. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I mean it's such a good, it's a good thing to do. It just it's still it's like the it's like it's a uh, big right now I guess to say to say it poorly, but it's yeah. like the you, you know it used to be like maybe improv and sketch were like kind of close to stand up, mm-hmm. but now stand up's like very much the thing. Yeah, I think so. I think I think uh, people. I I remember when I started. I feel like a lot of people, especially in I mean we were in the same program in dramatic writing. Right. We're like oh stand up like it's just for like straight white dudes talking about like their <laughs> wives or whatever, and it's like completely not true and i think more people who who thought like maybe ucb was the thing to do or thought like that was like the cool hip thing i think are realizing like no stand-up is just it's just a medium you can do whatever you want with it and it could be so good um and I, I think a lot of people did themselves a disservice by not just immediately starting open mics i feel like that forms you so much if you mm-hmm. started at a young age i think you're the luckiest person in the world to especially in this city yeah it's like the yeah. best place in the, the world probably to stand up yeah and if you're going to nyu and i mean and you want to do comedy you, you should just be doing open mics like there's yeah. you learn so much and like mm-hmm. it's hard and it sucks but like it's also great and you meet so many people especially if you go to the right ones like so many good like young cool comics and i feel like i made the mistake of going to all the wrong ones for years and <laughs> was just, it was that thing where it's like oh these are just old weird dudes um it's like god stand-up is weird and then i started like finding the good mics and i was like oh these are young people who are like who seem cool and are good at stand-up and are like i can see they're like going places and i think i think finding those good mics was like the first time where i was like oh you can like you can make a career of comedy and you can be you can it's not just like dudes in a basement right i guess is what i'm saying right um Part of the reason why I would want to do stand-up is to make cooler friends. Yeah, that's a great reason. <laughs> yeah, It really is a great, like, I mean, I, I don't think I realized this until I, I went through a really bad breakup like a year ago, and I did not realize how good the community was until I like, went through that breakup, and I was so sad, and I was like, I realized, like, oh, I have a place I can go to, multiple places I can go to every night where I know I'll see people that I like, and, like, there's always alcohol around, and it's it's just, like, I mean... It could be bad, but it could also be so good where it's like, oh, I can just go out on a Wednesday night, get really drunk. There are people that I know on the lineup, so I know my friends will be there. They have to be. They've agreed to be there, and their name is on a poster. So mm-hmm. it's a great – it's just a great community to have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's – I really think it's good to to do mics and to do stand-up. Was, um, it, was it difficult to, like, balance your, your school stuff with uh, open mics? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a thing. Living out of uh, Brittany? Live, yeah, I was in Hayden. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I was in Hayden, and then I was in Third North. Uh, or no, I was never in Third North. I was in Carlisle. Yeah. I also don't know who would ever fact check that. So it's like, <laughs> Moss was not in Third North. Um, <laughs> Third North, uh, good location. Great location. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it, it was... The NYU podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hosted oh my by God. Joe. <laughs> we ha- Alan, we have to start that. <laughs> Just two dudes who graduated. Just like, yeah, college is great. Um, <laughs> um, I think I kind of used it as a crutch where when school wasn't going well, I was like, well, I'm doing stand-up. And when stand-up wasn't going well, I was like, well, I'm in school. I'm a kid. <laughs> and it fucked. I think it fucked me a little bit where I was like, I should have I done better in school. And I should have done better in stand-up. Um, but but I just did it. Um, mm-hmm. But, I yeah, how do you – do you feel good about the dramatic writing program? You're in the grad program, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How is that? Uh. I like it a lot, and I think it probably would be better. It's better doing grad mm-hmm. than undergrad. Yeah, because I, I I'm friends with some of the undergrads. Sure, who are like because we're in some of the classes together, mm-hmm. and they spend so like I do all three like playwriting, 
uh, TV writing and screenwriting. Oh, sure, so you yeah. Can kind of move around, mm-hmm. and they have to like. I guess you have to pick a focus and do one. Yeah, which kind of sucks. It does. Did you do like TV? No, I ended up in screen. Uh-huh. I think accidentally. Like I just took I took too many screen classes, and they were just like, <laughs> "You're a screen major." And I was like, "Oh fuck, I had no idea." Um, and I don't know if I would have done that differently. I might have done playwriting or like I took a lot of play classes too. I don't know how I ended up in a screen thesis. I was <laughs> the whole thing was a complete blur to me. Um, we, we we can like do kind of whatever you want and then yeah. just pick your thesis like at the end. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I've done mostly like screen and TV stuff. I guess mm-hmm. that's probably true. Yeah, but then I did I did play thesis. Oh, interesting. It, it was fun. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's great. Have you had any like? cool professors or anyone where you're like oh my god i can't believe i'm in a room with this person well you know what sucked is that i was supposed to have spike lee mm. uh but the day that movie got nominated for oscars oh he, shit he pulled out oh my god <laughs> he's too successful does he not teach at the school anymore i'm, I'm sure he's gonna teach he's always there he's yeah sure he's gonna teach like seems like he year. just rides the elevators i feel like i just see him in elevators yeah yeah uh, where's he going all the time yeah where come on spike <laughs> settle down <laughs> pick a floor um but also with with the grad we don't have to take like writing the essay oh that's instance. pretty good and Even though I will say that was the best class I took at NYU. Oh, by that's, far. I've, I've heard like the opposite Nobody from thinks everyone that. else. Yeah. <laughs> wow, why was it the best class? I think it's a class that like teaches you I mean, I'm just gonna give their pitch for the class, which it just teaches you how to think good. Like you they expose you to a ton of stuff that I, I don't think I mean, at least me, I don't think I would have read and like and I, I also think it depends on what professors you have. Um but I think it can, if you have the right professors, can really expose you to a ton of stuff in ways of thinking where you're like, Oh, I never thought about things like that. Um, but yeah, not helpful with comedy at all, but <laughs> it's a nice class. <laughs> um, have you like looked at your, your scripts since you've, uh, graduated? No, I haven't really. I think that I, I, I should make, no, I don't know. Actually. I think that I didn't n- maybe, I think it was at such a formative time that I, I don't think they would be helpful anymore. And I truly don't think I knew what I was doing and I don't think I, I don't think the school helped me too much. Like, oh, I don't think I, I don't think I learned anything. I think oh, I got really? I think it made me worse of a writer actually. <laughs> wow. That's a um, that's an indictment. Controversial opinion. I but I had a great time. Terry like, Curtis Fox. Yeah, no Terry if you're listening I don't know if you listen to this podcast, but oh, I, I I would kill myself <laughs> if I knew Terry Curtis Fox was listening listen to my podcast. Oh my God. I, I, I think that it, it's fun. It's like a good it's good to write and like mm-hmm. to do it in a class setting. I, I just like yeah, I don't know the. I I mean, I don't I have no suggestions to make the program better because I was an undergrad. But I just feel like there was something that wasn't right, and it it walked me back a couple steps. Oh, what do you I feel mean? Like, I just feel like I, I feel like a lot of times the professors defer to the workshop. Which, oh yes, okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. And so, and you end up. I, I don't know if this is a problem in grad, but in undergrad. You know, everyone decides they want to do this when they're 17, and then by the time they're 20, they're like, most of the people are like, I don't want to do this anymore, <laughs> but I have to get my degree. And so you're just taking you're taking notes from them in workshop. These people who don't want to do it and don't care and really don't put the effort in, and it's like, and I mean, not that they should care. Like, if, if you decide you don't want to write at 20, you shouldn't write. Like, no one should have to do this. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I did – I'm someone who, like, if somebody says something – I will take it very seriously, even if they don't know what they're talking about. I'll be like, well, they probably know what they're talking about. And I think that fucked me for a long time. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to be better at that. I'm trying to I'm trying to realize when people are full of shit, but I'm so bad at it. I've um, I, I understand that completely. Yeah. And I, that makes a lot of sense to me because like it is kind of crazy at 18 just being like, I'm yeah. going to write a bunch of shit. Totally. But uh, I've I've actually the undergrads I've had have been pretty good, I think. Yeah. There are some uh, great people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it can, I mean, again, it can be great. It can be 
It can be not great. Um, but yeah, that's that when I when people are like, "How did you get this job? Did you get it? Like, did NYU help?" I'm like, "No, I don't think so." Like, that is a big misnomer. NYU does not help at all. Does with not help you get a job. Yeah. yeah, I remember one time when I first got reps um, or was like talking to like management for the first time. I like I didn't know what to do. I was very scared. I, I had like the email and I was like, "Do you know Rachel Sennett? I know. Uh, oh, she's another uh, really good comic. She's great on Twitter, but oh yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were just like. How do I respond to this email? Like we're just looking at it, like what do you how do you talk to these people? They're adults. We were both like nineteen. And like how, what do we say? And Rachel was like, you have to go to the NYU Career Office. And I went to the <laughs> NYU Career Office. <laughs> I know that's the, exactly. <laughs> and legitimately, the advice they gave me was like, all right, well, be sure to say, dear, the person you're talking to, <laughs> and sincerely, Massimo. Like it's very important that you use professional language, which is bullshit. Like it's right. such bullshit. It comes off as creepy. Like. I feel like when you're talking to reps like that, like... Dear and sincerely, yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre and strange. And that was the fucking advice they gave me. So I was like, I don't know how helpful this is. Or, like, I feel like a lot of people... Again, I love the program. Um, Big fan (laughs) of the program. program? I'm a huge fan (laughs) of the program. I just think that a lot of people running it have been out of the game for a little while. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. But, again, it's a great program. I remember at the orientation, they had, like, a career services person there. Yeah. And she was like, do not make the first time you see me the last semester of your of your your last That's year. That's their line. And uh, I was thinking, like, recently, like, well, I guess I never saw her again. You did it right. Never <laughs> see her. Never, she will not help you. Did not see her once. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure she's great, and she probably will help you. But yeah. she no, did not yeah. help me. Sure. <laughs> she made me seem strange to reps. <laughs> How did the reps uh, like get interested in you? They got interested because they I, God I, I opened for John Early, um, and I think this was truly just a case of the people running the show knew three standups, and there was John Early, me, and Julio Torres, and so they just put us all on a show. <laughs> I was nineteen. What a bill! What a fucking bill! It was terrible. I mean, they're the funniest. Oh yeah, because you're in the like world. a year into comedy. I was I guess. a year into comedy. I was so bad. I bombed so hard i still like when i I mean i yeah i it's i fucking have stress dreams about it still i was terrible (laughs) and i hope they don't remember they don't remember it was it was a fun whatever show but um john early's rep saw me through that and then got in touch and started kind of helping me out a little bit Oh, so um, it must have gone well enough to get the their reps interested. I mean, I think they just made a huge mistake. I was so <laughs> ba- I was tragically bad. Um, but they were super nice to me and like, yeah, just kind of told me what to do and and kind of guided me a little bit because I was I was completely lost in mm-hmm. all of it. Um, but yeah, that was that was super helpful. Um, and they actually got me the packet for this show, mm-hmm. um, which like. I mean, I was truly, like, so excited. I was just, like, starstruck to have a packet. I'd never gotten a packet before. I was like, I have a packet. Like, I, I, this is oh, this so is your fun. first packet? The first one, yeah. Oh, and wow. I was like, I couldn't. I was like, I can't believe they're letting me submit a packet. This is so exciting. <laughs> I was like, um, I was actually in my ex-girlfriend's family had very nicely brought me to Greece with them. And so I was in Greece at the time. And um, I got this packet. I was like, oh, my God, I, I have to do this. Pack. It was doing, like, three <laughs> days. And so I could only, I mean... I had to spend the day with her and her family, which was lovely. And so I could only write it at night. And I was always so drunk when I wrote it because they'd take us out for dinner. We'd drink a bunch of wine. And then I'd, like, try to drink a bunch of espresso to, like, sober up to write these <laughs> jokes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was a funny – it was a weird experience to to do that. So did you write the packet, like, completely drunk? 
I was pretty drunk, yeah. I mean, I, I would, like, sober up, like, deep into the night, but... And then I, I think I did one sober pass before I submitted it, where I was like, wow. all right, let me just take out everything that seems insane. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was so funny to be doing that. Do you, do you write drunk uh, in general? No, never. Yeah. I never do it. I, I can't. Do it. Yeah. yeah, it's so hard. It's yeah. like, I don't know how people write drunk or high. Like, I, I cannot. Yeah. Cannot do it. I had to write. I had some pages due, some homework. Oh, of course. I do it at noon today. Turned really? It, turned it in at ten thirty. Nice. Uh, and I had like uh, three vodka sodas last night, mm. and I, I, could, I just went to sleep. Yeah, I didn't want to write. You can't. Yeah, that's because I wasn't so... even drunk. But three vodka sodas. <laughs> that's, that's enough. Yeah. Well, you I, you get a little drunk, and you're like, I don't have to write. Yeah. Like you just overcome any willpower. It's also oh. like, who gives a shit about this fucking pilot? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. That's so funny. I wish I could ride drunk. I would. I would be. I would never stop being drunk if I could ride drunk. <laughs> uh, what do you like about like doing stand up? That's that, like different than uh, the other forms of doing comedy stuff. Oh, I think. I think the best thing is that you can do it completely by yourself, and you don't have to rely on anybody. Oh, think, interesting. That's a very uh, practical answer. It's. I mean, I tell. I tell it to everyone. Where it's like, if you. I mean, if you want to do something, stand up is the only thing where it's like you don't have to wait at all for anybody, and it's it's fully fully dependent on you and you can you can check in with yourself and be like if i'm doing bad it's because i'm doing something like you can't make an excuse and it's just like i just hate i hate waiting i'm very impatient and i think stand-up is good for that where it's like all right i want to do this thing right now and it's like i can i can do it three times tonight Mm -hmm. um and i i really think that's it's greatest virtue is like not not needing a consensus or having to wait for or work with anybody Mm -hmm. Uh, makes me sound like a very lonely person i'm not (laughs) but um, but yeah, I think I think that's a really good thing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how do you uh, approach an open mic for the first time, or just in general? Just in general, I guess. I mean, now it's gotten to a point, and I think I I really appreciate this because I I did it for years, and I got nowhere, and I had I didn't know anybody. I did I probably did it for like three years, never met any comics, and I would oh, wow. I would never talk to anybody because I didn't know I didn't know that's what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to use it as like a socializing tool and you talking, I didn't realize everyone was friends. I didn't realize I was going to these mics and everyone there was friends and I didn't, I, not me. <laughs> um, and then I realized that and, and started like going to the right places. And like, now it's gotten to a point. And again, because it was so bad for so long, this is the thing that I'm most proud of is just having, and it's so sad to say, but having friends at open mics makes me so happy. <laughs> like to walk. Now I feel like I can go to almost, Almost any mic in Brooklyn, and I, I and I'll know people there. I'll know most of the people there, and it's like, oh, these are people that I like, and like, it feels more like you're with friends, and it just that means so much to me because it, I didn't have that for so long, <laughs> and it truly shouldn't mean anything to me. You could you could go and you could have that in a week, but I just for some reason it took me forever. Um, that is a very nice pitch on why to do stand up. I think at yeah. least for me, a guy who just said I just wanted to get cooler friends. You will. You can do it. You can have them very quickly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how cool anyone is, but they're just, there's so many lovely people. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it just feels nice to be part of a community. I feel like that's one of the, th- that's one of the greatest, like, human pleasures is to be part of a thing. Yeah. Um, and open mics are, you know, despite what anyone says, like, they're, they're fantastic. They are depressing, though, too. They're so depressing. <laughs> that's another thing about them. They're very depressing. <laughs> what are the, uh, what are the good open mics in, uh, in New York? Mm. Um... When I was going a lot, I would say probably like I was going the most maybe a year ago. I was going, I was trying to go up like three times a night, and the best ones then. This might have changed, um, and I'll try to go as much as I can. I can hardly ever go anymore, which like makes me sad. But Pine Box Wednesdays at six, 
is was like the that was like the cool good one to go to where it's like that's oh, in Brooklyn, right? It's in Brooklyn, yeah. yeah um, right off the Morgan L. Um, and that was yeah. Wednesdays at six was one that was super intimidating and like it was one where it's like okay, I'm gonna like write something new on Monday and then like take it up, take it up, and then when it's good, I'll take it to Pinebox. And it's like <laughs> it truly doesn't mean anything, but it, it's just like so packed and it's packed with a lot of people who like from the perspective of someone who's starting out or like just people who are like truly doing things and like, Oh, a lot of people here have done late night. And it's like, I remember when I went to that mic for the first time and like the first group, like everyone in it had done late night sets. I was like, Whoa, I didn't know this was real. Like, this is incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. It's really, and it's just a great, it's a great place to meet people. Um, Pine box Wednesdays at six is a good one. Um, I love the branded saloon Tuesdays at eight. Um, it's like more low key, but it's a good place to like work stuff out. Um, there's one at Fish Bar Thursdays at six, and I think shut down recently. But that, I mean, that is someone should immediately start another open mic there because it's such a good. It's I mean, it's objectively terrible, but <laughs> it's such a great space for an open mic because it's just like it's everyone's so packed in and people are like spilling out the door and like it's very easy to walk out and like smoke and like talk to people. Um, yeah, that that was uh, that was a great one. Um, I miss going as I really miss going to open mics every night. Like. Well, how, how do you balance that with, like, your job? Oh, I can't. I yeah. can't. I just can't do them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably, and I'm getting booked way less because of that. I, I probably, on a good week, will have, like, three or four shows. Um, but I'm not doing mics. And so my set is kind of, I feel like I'm, I'm nervous to, like, try new stuff out at shows. And so my set is completely stagnated. And I've had, I've had the same 15 minutes for, like, or, I mean, truly the same eight minutes for, like, four or five months um and i yeah i need to write more and like i would love to start hitting mics again um but yeah I, it's gotta pay the bills gotta pay the bills i cancel half of the shows i'm booked on because i just get stuck at work late and it bums me out because i feel like i'm starting to really like enjoy like stand up in a way that i don't think i was always very nervous about it and mm-hmm. like i was like i have my set and i like stick to it very closely and now i feel like i've I'm getting to a point, and I think I'm, I imagine a lot of people get to this around like five years of doing it, but where I feel a lot looser on stage, and I feel like I can use it to like talk to people and like get stuff out, and I can like DV. Like now, I have a point in my set where it's I just like truly, and not in like a way that's like kind of premeditated, but just like talk to people, um, and it feels good to have that because I was so bad at that for so long of just like never deviating from the set and just like. Yeah, it feels good to like have a point in the set where it's like, okay, this is where I'm going to go off track a little bit and just like see what's up. So, yeah, so you've been doing stand up for how long? For five years. So, how, how do you think your stamps changed over time? I think it's just gotten looser, um, and I think I've just gotten, as everyone does, better at it. And like, I think I used to have a thing where it's like, I want I want to tell stories, and I want every piece of information in the story to have a joke attached to it. Which in theory sounds good, but in practice produces insane stand-up. Yeah. Where you're constantly going on tangents off of just... And I would really hold myself to that, where it's like, do not say a piece of information without writing a joke about it. And so my stories would just go in a thousand directions where it's like, it was three o'clock in the afternoon. Here's a joke about being three o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like (laughs) the dumbest way to do stand-up. I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Um, I've gotten better at having, I think, jokes that like propel the story and are part of it as opposed to like... Constantly diving out of the story, 
I think Nate Bargatze is really good at that. Like his story he's so is like, funny. He's so funny. I haven't, I haven't seen that new special yet, but I oh, it's great. It. I'm sure it is. It's yeah. weird as hell. It gets weird. It gets really strange at the end. I'm curious what you would think. Oh, yeah. um, but I think it's so funny, and he's so good at having like the mechanisms of the story be funny. Where so like, he doesn't need to keep diving out and making a joke about like details in the story. Like he really forms the story where it, like this part hits this part, and it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've, I've been trying to. I think I've gotten better at, at being like that. As opposed to just making like frenetic, like as many jokes as I can right. because I'm insecure or whatever. Is it difficult being like a storyteller comedian rather than like a, I guess like a straight up like joke teller comedian? Oh, I don't know. I I never I never really understood there to be too much of a distinction because I think as I mean I think a lot of people like fancy themselves storytellers and do the opposite thing where they just don't have jokes. And right, it's right. Like, I think you need to have jokes, and I think if you do, it doesn't matter if they're attached to a story or just like you know one-liners just like being thrown out but i think that it is helpful to build your stuff into stories just because i think you're more memorable on a lineup if you have mm. a story i think the stories really stick with you with people and like oh, you that's true the yeah. funniest jokes but like people i think people remember the the actual parts of the story as opposed to like how hard they laughed mm-hmm. um and i think it's important when you're constantly on lineups with like eight people it's like it's so easy to not make an impression even if you're so fucking funny right um but yes yeah, so I, th- I think it can be helpful to put your stuff into stories but i, I don't think it at the end of the day matters too much mm-hmm. um and i think my favorite comics i mean some of them are story people but i think a lot of them are just like straight up joke tellers mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah i don't know if that answers the, no, yeah, yeah. yeah is that kind of um yeah and so i think it's yeah i think my stand-up is like I mean, I just went back and watched a video from when I started, and it was just like, oh, my God, I was a fool. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I mean, everyone is when they start, but I was especially one. <laughs> I was such a fucking idiot. What do you think about uh, the state of stand-up these days in general? Oh, God, I don't know. I'm I'm so, like, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of lost in my own. Sorry, I keep moving forward and back. I'll stop doing that. <laughs> um I think I'm too lost in my own shit right now to have any understanding of, like, mm. the kind of macro thing. It seems like people like stand-up, which is good. It's hot. I, it's very hot. <laughs> and people have this whole thing about, like, oh, the bubble's going to burst. Like, Netflix is putting out, like, 100 specials every Monday or whatever. I don't know. But, like, I don't know if people like it. I could be so wrong. But I think as long as people like watching it and it's a part of people's lives, like, it seems like a, it doesn't seem like something that would be replaced in people's lives. Like, if it, you know, people like it. People think it's cool. They'll keep thinking that. Like, I can't imagine everyone is suddenly like, "There's too much stand up. I'm right. not going to watch any of it." Like, a lot of more stand up will fail, but I don't think stand up as a thing will go away. And it's such a basic medium. Like, it's really just a person with a microphone. Like, right. it's the most elemental thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's fine. Um, and I think there are so many good stand ups. Um. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's strange to think about how, like, when we were growing up, stand-up was, like, not cool. Yeah. And not, like, that much in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And now it's, like, just people, like, it's, like, I mean, with Netflix, like, people, like, watch The Office and they kind of watch random uh, stand specials. Yeah. Which is weird. It's so weird. Which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's, it's totally it's cool. cool. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, huh. but, yeah, I don't know. It does feel like, like I, I like I said, like, I don't want, I barely watch any stand-up anymore mm-hmm. at home. Uh, because I think it's like there's just too many of it to even like. Yeah. Make it like I watched. Uh, well, actually, I saw Mulaney at Radio City Music Hall. Oh, I saw him like during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He, was, he was great. But so I, I never, I never watched it though. So I don't, yeah, I can't remember the last dance special I watched. Oh, interesting. Well, you gotta watch the Barkatsi one. It's so funny. Um, I watched. Oh, I watched James Acaster. Oh, he is so he, funny. He did. He does like he did like the crazy the four part the special. Four, yeah. yeah, that was that was really cool. That's what's so cool is that stand up's getting to a point, and I'm sure this has always happened, but it, it feels like it's been around long enough now that people are like really pushing the media. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's stuff like that. Like Cat Cohen is incredible i just did her show last week and i was just like oh my god what a fucking star like she's so good <laughs> and there's so i know people have their opinions about nanette but it's like it's just great that it's like the medium is is moving and, and changing and like people yeah. are like pushing the bounds of it and there's so many people doing that and it's if you like stand-up it's i mean what a what a great thing it'll be interesting yeah. to see like like if things change like cinematically with it yeah more like i like which uh, like chelsea peretti did like the what was it like? The, she did like the cutaway shots. The cutaways, to, like, yeah, which yeah, are yeah. Really funny. I remember that. Uh, but it'd be interesting to think, like, you know, like I mean, uh, Louis. Yeah. When he did the the TV show, you know, the way he filmed it, like up close, so he couldn't, you couldn't, like, he wasn't really killing, you know. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if that's gonna, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, it seems like. I mean, I personally always preferred just like. Very like straight up stand up. Oh sure, I mean, like, I mean, if every special was like weird, like yeah, that, I wouldn't like that. Yeah. Totally, and I think it's because I I don't really watch that much. I mostly listen to, like albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's getting to a point where there's something for everyone, and that's yeah. I mean, what a cool thing. Be cool if stand up albums came back. I know, I would love that, Didn't, and I think uh, they kind of are a little bit. Yeah, like, I feel like everyone's recording albums right now. Oh really? Yeah, they, I feel like every week some like. Some just like Brooklyn comics, like I'm doing my album recording at Union <laughs> Hall, and it's like great. I will listen to that. I will, uh, who, no matter who it is, if you put out a stand up album, I will listen. It's such a nice way to pass the time when you're walking or on the train. Um, yeah, I, I love that. What's your What's your favorite stand up album? I guess not, not. That's not a special as well. I guess. Um, I really think it's those two patent albums, feeling kind of mm-hmm. patent and werewolves and. Lollipops. Even my weakness is strong. Is a oh, great yeah. one by him. Uh, oh, he has one. Uh, tragedy plus comedy equals time um which I, is so funny my finest hour is is great oh you're, um, you're naming every pat every patent album is so good in the last special he did i thought what, what annihilation or something annihilation, yeah. yeah incredible i so, see it oh you gotta watch it yeah. you would love it it's, it's just so good he is someone i think that is just a special person yeah have, um, you, have you read his books i have read part of zombie spaceship wasteland um, I haven't read the Silver Screen Fiend or whatever. Yeah, there's um, no jokes in Silver Screen Fiend. Oh, there's, there's jokes, but I mean, it's like it's not a comedy book. Yeah. Um, interesting. I yeah, I need to. I mean, I just I used to consume his stuff so much. I should I should hit those up. I mean, as a dramatic uh, writer, you should you should, should? You should read Silver Screen Fiend. <laughs> I should yeah all the movies he talks about. I could finally learn something. Uh, <laughs> what, what advice would you give to people like starting out now? Um, in comedy in general, yeah, like who want to write for TV or um, I guess stand up specifically. Stand up, I would say the only the only advice you should ever take from anyone about stand up is truly just to do it. Like, don't waste any time. Like, if you want to do stand up, you should do it literally tonight. If you if you wait a day, there's no reason to. There's simply no reason not to do it immediately and to keep doing it. And that's the only way to learn is to just do it and to like record your sets, listen to them, and you'll get better. But I think the main piece of advice is truly don't take advice from anybody unless it's to do stand-up. Like, just do it and don't listen because, like, it will make you worse. Even with, like, the packet for this show, like, I – and I I don't believe this with everything. Like, I have, like – if I'm writing a script or something, 
I have a group of people that I'll send it to for notes that I trust. And like, of course, getting notes is very important. But I think on a lot of things, and I think stand-up is like this, and I did this with the packet for the show where it's like I didn't show it to anybody. I didn't get notes from anyone because I was like, well, it just has to be what I think is funny, and anyone else's input will inherently change that. And so I think I think that's very true with stand-up where it's like just go – just like kind of dive into yourself and do it and learn from – Learn from within. Don't take mm-hmm. any outside things. But I guess, the yeah, to boil it down is just to do it immediately. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to wait. And if you start now, you will be better in three weeks, and you will be better in a year, and you'll be so much better in four years, and you'll look back and be like, oh, my God, I'm so happy I started then, because if I was starting now, I would have to wait four more years to be good. Like, you've just got to put up with being bad for a minute. Because mm-hmm. you will get better. You will naturally get better. Yeah. That's time is, like, the greatest thing, because you just, it, you just get better at things if you just do them. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to think about it. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's what I would say about Inspiring that. Inspiring stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the takeaway from that is don't show your work to anybody. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, you're currently working at Patriot Act. Yeah. How did that job come about? That job came out just, it was actually very, it was a very kind of classic thing of just like, all right, did the packet. Right. Um, got the interview, did the interview. And then did you go to NYU Career Services? Oh my god, that'd be so funny if I did. I would not have this job right now. <laughs> if I, yeah, oh my god, um, I was so nervous for the interview. Yeah. I was like, I was freaking out. Was the interview with Hassan? It was with Hassan and the showrunner and the head writer. Um, and I was, I was terrified. I was so scared. I got an hour off of work to go. Um, I went and. Yeah, I. my mom was like, you have to drink. You have to do a shot of tequila before. And I was like, Mom, it's 10 in the morning. I can't. I'll die. Um, I probably should have, though. I was, I was pretty nervous. and But it was good. I mean, it felt a lot like this where it's like, all right, like, right, I'm going to go in. I'm just going to talk. And, like, that's – I was telling you earlier, like, I love – I really love job interviews because you really, like – there's nothing – I don't think there's anything you can say – that they will remember except for just like, oh, I like being around this person. And so it's like, oh, you just get to be fun and like try to make sure everyone's having a good time. That interview was nerve-wracking, though, because they wanted you to come in with two pitches. Uh-huh. And they wanted them immediately. I walked in. I was like, hi, Moss. Nice to meet you. They asked me like maybe two questions. And they are like, all right, so what are you thinking? What are your, what are your pitches? And then I pitched my two stories. And then they were like, all right, cool. Do you have anything else? Like just kind of off the top of your head. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? And I just I fumbled for a minute. And then they did this insane thing. I don't I'm sure this is not there's no reason this would be privileged information. <laughs> but they did this fucking wild thing where they're like, We're just gonna name some topics and you just like just throw out a take. Like just throw out like the first thing that that Whoa. comes to your head. Like, you know anything about sports? It's like I know nothing about sports. And they're like, All right, well what do you think about like Modi's demonetization policy in India? Like what do you think of him like taking all these like hundred dollar bills out of circulation? Because this was happening when that was happening, and I was like, All right, I know a little bit about that, but I don't really like not enough to have a take. Like I, at that time, I didn't know. Like, is Modi? Do we like Modi? Do we not like Modi? Like, uh-huh. what was the deal? And like, I had the most insane fucking answer. It was. It's like <laughs> truly. I don't. I can't. Remember, it's so embarrassing. But they're like, yeah. Well, just the first thing. Like Modi's demonetization policy. He's taking all these hundred dollar bills out of circulation. Like, what does that make you think of? And I was literally like, oh, it makes me think of hip hop. Like, I just think of like how like Indians like hip hop, and like I'm just picturing this Indian <laughs> guy with like a lot of hundred dollar bills. <laughs> And it's insane that they hired me. I can't believe it. That's, that's, that's funny, though. That's no, good... it's terrible. <laughs> it's the wrong opinion. I just, like, totally... <laughs> did, they, did they laugh? No, they did not they laugh. Did they laugh? did not laugh at all. Oh. There was no laughter at that. They were like, okay, good. Um, cool. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, all right. Yeah, well, um, great. 
I, I think, I mean, there were parts of the interview that I think were pretty good, and there were parts that were just, like, so bad. I At one point, I think I told Hassan to go on Come Town. I was like, <laughs> I just, I was, like, nervous, and I ran out of things to say, and I was like, I, they were like, what do you listen to? I was like, I like Come Town. Oh, like, what is Come Town? That's a huge mistake, too. Huge mistake. I think that was the only thing he wrote down in the interview. I just saw him write down, okay, Come Town. I was like, fuck, he, I hope he doesn't listen to it. And I was like, you should be a guest on it. I was like, fuck, I just told Hassan Minaj to go on Come Town. I'm an idiot. What did he say to that? He was like, oh, cool, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Um, he, <laughs> sure, was, sure. he was very diplomatic about it. Um, <laughs> And I also mentioned Chapo Trap House, and for the first like oh, that, three that weeks, could be okay. yeah. Well, I don't know if it was for the first like for the first maybe month of the job, he just called me Chapo Trap House. He's like, "What okay. do you think about that Chapo Trap House?" And I was like, "I, I, I I'm a moderate listener." <laughs> Better than being called Come Town. Better than being called Come Town. Oh my god, what do you think of that Come Town? <laughs> Would have been confusing for the staff. <laughs> Oh man. Um, but yeah, did the interview, um, and then there was a whole month where it was like. Uh, the manager I was working with was just like, yeah, they're you know they're still deciding, still deciding, and the room was supposed to start a week after the interview, and I just assumed I was like, well, it's probably already started now. Whatever, I didn't get it. That's fine. Like it's my first one. I was just happy to talk to Hassan and tell him to go and come down. Like <laughs> that's enough. Um, but then yeah, at one point out of the blue, they were on a Friday, um, and I actually I was working as an office assistant at this ad agency and I had gone out to buy succulents for the office um, <laughs> and I just got an email from the manager <laughs> so walking over to Whole Foods to buy some succulents and I got an email that was just like boss that you got the job they're waiting to start Monday it's like what the fuck like that's insane and then I went I bought the succulents and I brought them back and it's just like this is my la- I have to leave today it's my last day <laughs> were they happy for you they were so happy I, I was very close with everyone there I still I still hang with everybody and like they had they had knew I was interviewing and stuff and they they were shocked and I was like yeah this is my last day um on Monday I'm starting this job and I was so nervous <laughs> to start the job I was terrified I threw up a bunch before the first day oh yeah oh I was just vomiting like crazy. Uh, it's it was nerve wracking. I was like, I've never been in a, I've I've always been a student or a barista or like an assistant. Like I've never. And then I went in and immediately they're like, oh, you have your own office. And I was like, what? I have an office? I couldn't. Believe, I was like, are other people going to be in the office? They're like, no, it's just yours. And I was like, I. They're like, you can move the desk around. I was like, I can't believe I can move the desk around. <laughs> Did you I, move the desk? I, oh, I moved it so many times. I put a coffee machine in my office. I like fucking. I I outfitted. I I fucking tricked it out. Um, it's completely, uh, yeah, I was just, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. What's, what like surprised you most about working in television? Um, so many things. I mean, it was such a steep learning curve. Um, I think I was surprised by everything. Um, but I, I guess what really surprised me is that like, it becomes a job very quickly where you're like, oh, this is fine. And like, like for the first month, it's like, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened. Um, and then after that, it's like, oh, this is work. And I have to come in for these hours, and it like it it becomes not cool. And as somebody who always wanted to write comedy, I was like, I, "This is my dream. This is my dream come true." And as the closer you get to it, you're like, "Oh, this is fine. Like, what's what's the next thing going to be?" Kind of where it's like, I think I think that's true of everything. Where you're like, you you get jaded, and and I, I keep reminding myself like, "This is the dream. I can't believe this is happening." But it's so easy to be like, "Fuck work. Like, oh, I gotta go in on a Saturday or whatever." And it's like, "Come on, you idiot. Like, this is great. It's so cool." <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think I think that was the surprising thing is how quickly it was just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to work. Um, because I thought I would be afraid to talk. I was like, I'm gonna if I ever get a writing job, like I'll lose it immediately because I'll just be terrified. I'll, I'll be petrified in the room. And I think they that was another surprising thing. Actually, it was kind of, have you ever done acid? 
yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an. Well, yeah. yeah. My parents are listening to this. No. Damn it. Oh my god. Um, well, it's a similar thing of like you think like, oh my god, I'm gonna get nervous and I'm gonna have a bad trip. But what you don't realize is when you take it, your body it, it calms you down first, and then you start to see things. Like you have a great body high first, and you're like, okay, I can handle anything that comes at me. And that's very true of being in a writer's room for the first time. Is like. They are. They know you're nervous. It's completely normal to be nervous. Right. They're going to make you comfortable. They, if they have any experience, they're they'll be good at that, and you'll be fine. You'll be once you're in the room. You're. It feels like, oh, okay, great. Like I can, I can do the job. And I was so worried that I would not be able to do the job. Right. I was. I was literally. I went in thinking like, well, I will be here for a week, and that will have been exciting. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so that was also a big surprise that I could actually function i really did not think i would be able to function i really didn't think i would be able to um when you when you guys like start the room it's like weeks and months before the show's gonna start yeah what, what, what are you guys up to what do you um do? just building the show i mean the uh, Hassan and the head writer prashant had like a very clear idea of what the show was but we still like we still broke it all down and like pitched a bunch of stuff and like different segments like when we started like we truly I mean, looking back, like, yeah, they clearly had an idea of what it was going to be, but, like, we I don't think we really realized that, and so there was a whole, there were a couple of months of just, like, trying a bunch of stuff, like, what if we did this? What if we did this? And it was, like, it was kind of exciting and a, a very naive place to be. Like, looking back, it's like, I can't believe we thought we could do that. Like, um, but, yeah, and just, like, you know, just learning how to write these pieces because they're so, like, they're hard. These pieces are hard to write, and like it's hard to digest all the research and to structure things. And I think everyone was learning that together of like, how do you tell these kinds of stories, and like, what's the best way to like? Because I don't think anyone is doing a similar thing where it's like long stories with like a bunch of screens and like a stage screen. Like that was such a learning curve to be like, all right. I mean, just simple things like when, when is this like animation going to happen what screen is it going to happen on where how do you how do you tape it in a way where it's not cut off because we're also like i one of the only i mean i I don't think there's another show like this where there are like a bunch of cameras like he's constantly like camera four camera one and it's like there were it was a very steep learning curve of just figuring all that out and like figuring out how to write to that like what's what what is the best way these stories can be told given the amount of research and given the actual technology of it um and I think that took a couple months to like understand and like figure out for everybody. And we're still figuring it out. Like I feel like we're still doing new things and like doing new like weird animation things. I rem- I wrote one, co-wrote an episode about student loans, and there was a whole part where Hassan is in space, and that was something I pitched that in the outline, and I was like, I don't know if they, I don't know if this we can do this. Uh, and then the animation team did the most beautiful I, I watch it now, and I'm still blown away by it. Where it's like he's fully in space with like the stage and the screens. It's like incredible it's so beautiful and so i think just diving deeper into what our capabilities are is, has been a really cool thing and yeah we worked on that a lot in the months leading up to the because we started in july and the show didn't start until october so we had a lot of time to just like kind of get to know each other um and that's great i think i needed that because i was i like i said i was so scared i really felt like a child like <laughs> i was like 22 i was like terrified i was so scared i was like i'm in a room with adults and they want me to talk it was it was fucking yeah um and then it just became a job and then it just became regular <laughs> how do how do the pieces come together like are you starting with a topic and then moving from there yeah it's it's a really interesting process where like well everyone will pitch every week and then when a pitch gets green light it'll go we have a full staff of like journalists um and they will put together the, so the pitch will get assigned to like two journalists and then a footage person, 
the journalists will put together like a th- like a massive book about the topic, like hundreds of pages. The footage people will also put together like a big book of transcripts, and then there will be a handoff where you get those materials, um, and then you have a couple days to like read it and turn that into an outline. You get notes on the outline, and then you do the draft. And they usually have two writers each doing separate outlines, separate first drafts. And then you guys, after the first draft, work together and put together your drafts. And then from then on, it's like kind of your oh, baby. That's interesting. Yeah. So you get to take ownership over the, like you have episodes that you write and then you're like, it's you two and then the couple researchers and the footage person. And you're all just like constantly going back and forth and being like, all right, I need this here. And yeah, you get notes. I'm in the middle of an episode right now. Um, and we just turned in the third draft last night. Um, and I will get notes on that on Monday, and I'm fucking nervous. <laughs> <laughs> how, I mean, many, how many drafts do you guys usually do? I, it depends. It can really be a lot, because there will be drafts that are just internal to the writing team, and right. then those drafts will get pushed to the graphics team, and you'll still be editing. I mean, we'll rewrite up until... I mean, we'll be writing during the taping, where it's like, he'll go out, he'll do it, we'll all go into a room, the showrunner will be like, we need jokes, does anyone have a joke? And you just throw out jokes off the top of your head, and then he goes back out and does it again. Um uh-huh. But the writing, yeah, it doesn't stop until it's done. Um, that was actually the biggest surprise of the job is being in a – my biggest fear was being asked to just do stuff off the top of my head. And now that's happened so much where it's like you'll be in the room and it'll be like, we need a joke right now. Like say anything. And it can be very tense and very stressful and people are yelling. I mean people – everyone's very nice. and But it's very high – it's high pressure and it's scary. And like it's amazing how that pressure really – I feel like brings the best stuff out of people where you're like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. But like – when somebody's like, we need it right now, it's like, you will say something, and it might be really good. And right. it might be so bad, and you'll fucking feel like the worst person in the world. <laughs> I've had so many things where it's like, I'm in the room with like everyone who works on the show, like all the graphics people, all the researchers, whatever. Like it's a, The room is packed. There are Netflix people, and it's like, we need to jump right now. And you're just like, oh, what, what if it's like this? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> and it's just silent for a minute, and you're just like... Oh my god, it's the worst feeling. <laughs> but then when you hit, it's like, oh my god, I'm, I am. This it's the greatest feeling in the world. Right. And I love, I really like that a lot, <laughs> um, as much as it scares me. Um, I remember, I didn't even realize that would be a thing. The I think this was the first episode. Um, and Asan went. Our, our, the the studio is on the first floor of our offices, so we have all of our offices, and then there's the studio. And I think this was the first episode. Um, and he went out and the audience was there and he did the, it was doing the episode and I was like, all right, well, I'm done now. Like the episode's being taped. Like I, there's surely I can't be asked to do anything. And I drank a bunch and was just like chilling and like watching the monitor from my office. And then he went, he got off stage and was going to go out to do it again. And then I got a slack that was like, come down to the rewrite room right now. And I was like, I didn't know there was a rewrite room. <laughs> and I went down and there was like a very tense thing. And it's like, all right, we need a joke here. We don't have a joke here. Like Moss, what do you have? And I was so drunk. And I was like, oh, and I, I think I pitched something and it was fine, but like. That was a good lesson of like, oh my god, this, it's not going to stop until it's on Netflix. Like, <laughs> really celebrated too early. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a fun, weird process. It's yeah. Uh, when you're when you're writing these pieces, what do you think is like the right blend of information versus comedy? It's yeah, it's such a weird calculus. I I don't know. Still, every episode feels like it has its own kind of weirdness. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's a lot of just like. I truly think you just have to do it and put it down on paper and then let them fuck with it and be like, this is how it should be. And then you do it that way. And they're like, no, actually, this is like, you're truly, I feel like at a certain point, just a technician and like, right. or like a, a craftsperson where they're like, all right, no, try it this way. And then you, 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 you take what they say and you make it work. Even if you don't think it can work, you have to just make it work 
and show it to the, the show them the best version of it, and then they can be like, no, actually, we were wrong. It's not that. It's this. Um, and yeah, I think it's. I mean, you'll never get it right on the first draft. It's the first draft is always so fucked up. Right. And then they put everything in place, and then you go and do that. And so I think you just kind of you just flow with it. Like there's no there's no way to know like what the what the blend is. But you yeah I mean I always this is actually something I learned in dramatic writing where they were like oh you should have three jokes a minute, which doesn't seem I don't know if it's a lot, but I'll, I'll sometimes try to hold myself to that where it's like if I don't have a joke, <coughs> if I don't have a good amount of jokes in a minute, I'll try to punch it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah I, yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird way of writing, and I don't know what it's preparing me for, but. Except for this show, like I, I don't know how transferable the skills are, but it's weird how like that, I mean like this whole political comedy thing, right? Mm-hmm. Writing thing for these TV shows, is yeah. like, very new, mm-hmm. and it's like the dominant now, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's it's weird, and that's I that's why I really am happy to be working on this show because we don't have to do like the Trump bullshit. Like I hate right, that so right. much. Everyone hates that. Except for all the people who oh, love yeah. it, which is so many people. Apparently, apparently yeah. it's so popular. Yeah, what do you think it is? You think it's? You think it is that popular? People are just watching it because I on? think it's so popular. Yeah, yeah it I must mean, be. I've heard of shows like their ratings falling off a hill as soon as the Trump stuff is over. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. Why I'm doing a visual thing, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I and I don't know how true that is, but I think it's super popular, and I think people on like it, these things seem like they have a lot of views on YouTube, but it's yeah. like. I don't know. It's not interesting. It's not. It's not. I mean, it's interesting to a ton of people. I think just for people who who like who like comedy in a different way, I think it's boring as hell. Yeah. And I'm happy to not be a part of it. Like, I'm lucky that the people in charge like also feel that way and want to do like more interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy about that. Mm-hmm. That's. I think I would lose my mind if I was writing just like, oh, oh my god, look at how whatever orange he is. I don't know. I hate that. <laughs> There was like an article recently from like a late night writer, or not from a late night writer. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, and he was yeah. like, "This job sucks." Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah, I saw that article, and I was it's like, "It's a little bit." Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I mean, it's better than making coffee. Like as bad yeah, as it is, sure. like the fucking WGA minimums are good. Like yeah, you're yeah. Li- you're living well to do a job that is dumb. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, all of these things could be better. Um, and I'm just happy that we get to do more interesting. Or at least to me, more interesting, like international, like kind of wonkier things. Supreme. Supreme. Oh, that was my first episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that one fully like the researcher that I was working with on that is this truly the smartest person who ever lived. Like he is. Uh, he unfortunately doesn't work with the show anymore, but we worked on that together, and he just like that was a time when I was like, oh my god, I'm such a child. Like I'm working with this genius, and I I just I could hardly keep up with him. Um. <laughs> That was a tough one. That was a really hard one. But, I mean, more to him than me. He It really, I think, came out fine. Um, and now he is, I think, the – what is he doing now? I think he's the director of research for the Bernie Sanders campaign now. He's, like, <laughs> oh, he's like the smartest person wow. in D.C. <laughs> um, I think that's known. I don't know. This would be a weird place to break that news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think that's probably out there. Um what was the the Saudi Arabia episode like? Oh, that was really interesting. Because yeah. that, that was our second episode. Right. Um, and that one was really... <laughs> that was really Hassan's baby because he, he had such a clear point of view on it. Um, 
and uh, I mentioned Ismael earlier. He he wrote a lot of stuff for that too. Um, but yeah, that was interesting because it came out and everything was like whatever, like sure. And then months later, when we were on hiatus, I had I had just landed in Miami, and I just looked at my phone and I had a hundred messages of just like, and the last one was just from a head writer, like okay, nobody talked to the media, like. Nobody's saying anything. We're going to figure this out. Don't like, do not post anything. Don't say anything. And I was like, what happened? Did like Hustling get canceled? Like what, what is going on? <laughs> and I like scroll back and I was like, oh my God, this is insane. And then it just like got crazier and like, and then it became a thing of like, all right, everyone pitched jokes for like the response to this. Like what is the response going to be? And then we just filled up a Google Doc with jokes. And it was just funny for uh, everyone was on vacation and it was like, God, now this is happening. Um... <laughs> But I think I think everything's fine now. Like we have good security, um, <laughs> which is good because they're serious. I mean, the Saudis are fucking. They're serious about their shit. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't put them past. It. I mean, I think we're fine. But like, I was nervous for a little bit. I was like, God, what if they? I actually had a thing where I was flying internationally, and I I stopped in, I think Dubai, and I was like, nothing's gonna happen to me. But what if? Like, what if I was the person they got? Like, they just, like, I don't know if they, it would be so easy for them to look at the credits and just make a list of people and to see my passports and be like, oh, he's on a list. Right. Um, but everything's fine. I mean, everything's cool. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think they, uh, the Saudis have bigger things to worry about. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> but I was nervous for a second going through customs. I was like, oh, God, I hope, like, I mean, it would be so funny if, again, if they got me. Yeah. Like, we have Moss Paracone. Like, what? <laughs> nobody knows what that means. <laughs> Is he Italian? He sounds Italian. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's all kind of mm-hmm. it's all kind of fine now. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, it was just a fun, weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, everything's everything's kind of cruising now. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. We're just going into the next batch of episodes. Um, yeah, everyone's writing those right now. And I think we're back on in May, beginning of May. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. What do you do during the hiatuses? Oh, I, you know, I should be working on on my own stuff. I, sh- I have to finish this pilot. Um, but I don't. I don't work on my own stuff. And I really should be. But I, I, I'm a, I go on vacation. Um, our, hiat- our hiatuses are, like, very short. Like, I'm sure you, like, talk to people who have amazing hiatuses yeah. and they go to Europe and Japan or whatever. Um but I, yeah, you guys, we. You guys, you guys had like one big hiatus, didn't you? No, the longest we've had is two weeks, I think. Oh, okay. Um, and then, and then we're right back into pre-production. Um, but for the first one, yeah, I went to Miami, and then this last one, I went to LA. Um, and I really, I would love to go somewhere further from this. I think we have one in July, maybe. Um, it might just be a week, but I, yeah, I'd love to travel a little bit. Um. But I don't know. It's everything's so busy. It's like I don't know if it's yeah. irresponsible to travel right now. Like I don't want to look back on this in a couple of years and be like, oh, I should have been, I should have been working harder. Um, <laughs> but it's also like I feel like a kid. Like it's like I, I don't want to look back and be like, I had no fun. I was just working all the time. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm very. I don't. I truly don't know what to do. I'm yeah, very yeah. lost in everything. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making a huge life mistake. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to be doing next? Uh, I, I mean, I would love to work on a, a narrative show. Um, I would love to eventually just write books. I feel like that would be books. Yeah, wow. that's that's kind of the the goal, I think. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it would be me and me and Rachel Senator. We're, we've always worked together. Um, we're working on stuff. Um, 
would love to do like film stuff just yeah just different kinds of writing um yeah but i think eventually my goal that i always tell myself which i don't know how i don't know how dumb this is but i would love to be just completely out of all of this by the time i'm 30 like that would be great <laughs> just to completely be done with it and just be like writing books quietly in like Greece would be so nice. It'd be so much better than do comedy. It'd yeah. be so much better. And I, yeah, that's the thing. It's like how much? Yeah, like I feel like, I feel like when I'm thirty, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I just want to be like by a beach and like just writing writing books. Like how nice would that be? Just to have like a vacation life. What kind? Of, what kind of books? Um, just like uh, I'm a huge. This is the douchiest thing I could ever say into a microphone. I love Thomas Pynchon so much. Yeah. Um, I've got a Thomas Pynchon tattoo. Oh. It's my favorite thing in the world, and I would love to. Obviously, I can't write like that, but like stuff in that vein, like yeah, yeah. the kind of like, kind of like wacky comedy with like some history stuff. I love history and like, yeah. Um, and I'm doing I'm doing like short story stuff right now, but like, yeah, eventually would love to, would love to. I've I have a lot of vanishing fantasies where I'm like, oh, I just want to vanish. Um, I want to vanish so badly. Did you like uh, Inherent Vice the movie? I loved it. it I saw it four times in theater. I hated it at first and then I just kept seeing it because I was like, I have to like this. I have to like it. And I learned to love it. And now it's one of my favorite things. Um, yeah. There are some there are some really good Thomas Pynchon books. I feel like he has a reputation as like unreadable or like just for like whatever. But I think he's I think he's so funny and so fun and I think everyone should read him. Not enough funny, funny novels. Very Not, few. No. Very few. I like Confederacy of Dunces. So fun. I've talked about this podcast before. Have you really? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that's hilarious. That's a great uh, one. And that's about it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pynchon is is so funny. Um, I don't like. I really don't like books by comedians, though. No, I mean they're they're like they feel very much like they got a big money advance to just yeah like yeah. I don't like that at all. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just insulted a ton of people. <laughs> I bear, I don't bear anyone any ill will. Well, it's but also, I just, yeah, no ill will for sure. But yeah. it's just kind of boring. Yeah, just kind of boring, and like I, I don't want to. I yeah. didn't read Norm Macdonald's, but that seems more interesting. Where he's like doing oh. a fake biography for himself. That's kind of what it is. Oh, I don't know about that. That's yeah. that's yeah, that's completely interesting. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I had not heard any Norm Macdonald before I started this job, and then everyone was like, "We love Norm Macdonald." I was like, well, "I have to listen to him," and he's oh, so funny. Norm's canceled. Is he canceled? He won't. I mean, he, I, mean I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, no. It, uh, when his uh, show came out on Netflix, oh, he had a show. He said, he, said, right. so, he said something. It wasn't that bad. Whatever mm. he said, I think he said that Nanette wasn't funny or something. Oh, he, <laughs> he said something else that was worse. Maybe. Oh, he def- he he didn't defend. Uh, <laughs> he didn't defend Roseanne Barr in Louie, but he did say <laughs> he did say that in addition to their victims, they were going through something uh, tough. Oh, okay. and he's friends with Roseanne, I think, which is why. Oh, I, sure. Yeah. So anyway, Norm, uh, you're welcome to do the podcast whenever you yeah, want. Yeah, Norm, do this podcast. To me, you're not canceled. You were correct. <laughs> you said nothing. Norm did nothing wrong. No, I'm going to walk that back. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to wrap up. Mm. Would you give your thoughts on a sketch idea? Please, yeah, hit me. Okay, so it's an uh, Edward Scissorhands parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But instead of having scissors for hands, he has Ricky Gervais for hands. Oh my god! So it's like, a, it's like his, his Ricky Gervais is on this side, Ricky Gervais is on this side. What is he, is he called? Ricky Gervais hands? Uh, yeah, Ricky Gervais Ed, hands. or Edward Ricky Gervais hands. Edward is he Ricky still G- an Edward? Yeah, I okay. think so. Edward Ricky Got Gervais it. hands. 
And he's got there are multiple gervases. It's just one, yeah, two gervases. Two gervases. Yeah. So he has no fingers. No fingers. Just I guess. Yeah. yeah okay. He's got the Ricky <laughs> can up pick things up. Yeah. That's yeah. So he's got. Okay. I can see it. And so he thinks he's like an outcast because he doesn't have hands, but just because people don't want to talk to Ricky Gervais. Oh, that's funny. That's yeah. a great. Yeah. I love shit like that where it's like, I mean, Ricky Gervais is like, I think a good example. A lot of people don't like him, but I think it's so fun to hit people who like people on some level know they don't like, but it's like. It's the thing of like, okay, okay everyone... He maybe, he's maybe too detestable, I guess. I don't know if he... I think he's kind of the perfect version of that, though, okay. where it's like there are people like Jeff Sessions or like yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump or whatever, where it's like, oh, what a punching bag, whatever. But there are people uh-huh. like that where it's like, everyone feels kind of uncomfortable about this person. Right. But no one's articulated it yet. And I think being one of the... I mean, a lot of people have articulated that, but like, I think to do that is really fun. And I think Ricky Gervais is a good a good target. He's also there. annoying, like, what, what, what he specifically, the way he says stuff and does things. Like, yeah. Jeff Sessions, he's annoying because of, like, his actions of, like... Yeah. But he's, like, Ricky Gervais is annoying to be around, I think. Completely. Yeah, yeah that's that's really funny. And just to have him, like... <laughs> yeah, to be like, people don't like me because of my hands, but it's actually because I'm, like, annoying, an annoying, like, weird atheist who <laughs> thinks he's so edgy as hands. That's funny. Yeah. That's super funny. Um... No notes. I All love right. it. No notes. It's great. The perfect sketch. Yeah. The perfect sketch. It has been written. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything you want to plug? Oh, God, no. I mean, watch. please watch the show. Um, it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 got a, a cool young host. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's really going to do some big things. Um, what, what? If I just plug Hassan Minaj, you can follow him on Twitter at Hassan Minaj. Um, no, my Twitter is at Moss Pericone. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any. I have a show. To, when does this come out? This will come out Wednesday. Oh, okay. Well, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, I had a show four nights ago. Um, <laughs> I like how you thought this would maybe come out today. Yeah, I was like, this is live, right? Um, yeah, no, follow me on Twitter. I do shows around the city. I tweet. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah, I hope, and I hope everything is good for whoever's listening to this. Right. Hassan Minaj, go on, come down. Hassan, please go on, come down. That'd be so funny. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.